Hello everybody, I'm Dave Bilbra and welcome to the Hidden Kingdom podcast. With each episode I'll be interviewing speakers, poets, songwriters, artists, entrepreneurs and friends I've made down through the years as a worship leader. I'll be hearing their stories and how they communicate in their various spheres of influence. These are conversations to inspire us to think more deeply and more imaginatively about how we use our own gifting to make known facets of the hidden kingdom to the modern world. Graham Kendrick is one of the finest Christian songwriters to emerge in the last 50 years, influencing a whole generation through his music. His theologically laden compositions have been embraced by churches, communities and individuals right across the globe. Shine Jesus Shine, Knowing You and The Servant King are just a few of the songs that have enabled so many to give expression of their relationship with Christ in corporate worship. He continues to tour and record and it was my pleasure to spend time in conversation with him for this podcast. So it's a real privilege to have Graham Kendrick here um, in his home church actually, so uh, that's fabulous. We've just had a coffee, enjoyed our time together and uh, welcome Graham. Thank you very much. So you were a performer as such at the beginning and I think that's one thing that I've, I've noticed as I've known you down the years uh, you learnt a lot of skills in performing and communication uh, and, and, and moved on in your gifting. So those early songs were evangelistic. We don't have that many evangelistic type songs now, do we? You know, um, no. I think it's a, it's a lack uh, very much in the, in the way we communicate. That everything seems to be on, on worship. Yeah, yeah, which is, <clears throat> which is um, I think, because a genre has, created, has been created which has actually become sort of dominant within the church culture and it's hard to see beyond it mm. uh, for people but I think actually out there in the world particularly with singer-songwriters everyone's telling stories mm. the the irony is you know we've got the best story but actually we're not singing as much as perhaps we could be singing the actual story it's actually I mean I, I kind of set myself the task of trying to bring the narrative into songs which are also songs of heart expression mm. and, and sometimes there is a um, they can sort of pull against each other because if you, if you put too much information <clears throat> in a song it doesn't leave enough space for that kind of heart heart engagement and, 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 and response like a worship song yeah. does um, but I think we, we really need to Reroute our music, music of church, in the story, um, uh, as much as we can. <clears throat> and I would say, actually, some of the best of the recent um, sort of uh, songs which have come through, which have a globe, global popularity as worship songs, actually do that quite well. Um, and uh, so I don't think there's any any fear of of them not being people not wanting to sing the story actually people really do when it's framed in a in a song that's also eminently mm. sing, singable yes. uh, and of course there's that skill of sort of compressing a story uh, yeah. in, into into a, a lyric that comes alive that but comes it's actually alive. In, in a very few words <clears throat> exactly exactly 
these last uh, this last mm. decade, I think you've it's been quite interesting for me as an observer to see the the, the praise the the performer Graham, the praise and worship man still very much, but also developing going back to some of those early songs, yeah, and bringing yeah. them to a, a different audience in a different way, uh, yeah. with with musicians around you. I mean. In those early days, you know, things moved on. There was the organic kind of house church, the Holy Spirit moving in a, in a free way, new expressions of worship, great and wonderful. Uh, and this sort of development of streams came, what we call streams, you know, different, mm. different emphasis within, within that, different movements. And I remember um, us getting together at uh, Olney, John Newton, his oh, house yes. there. Yeah. Uh, and that was, and, and William Cowper as well, wasn't it? Uh, as well, they and they, they, they yeah they, they got were contemporary together. there. They're, they're quite close friends, and uh, they actually wrote songs to not together, but they wrote songs to compile for a song book, song sheet for the local community, uh, apparently, which was was quite great. Yeah, there was a whole so um, hymn book you can buy called the Olney Hymns, hmm. which is the fruit of their collaboration, and you know they'd have these regular meetings and they'd write songs to go with the sermon yeah. a bit like the, you know the Wesley brothers yeah. did wonderful uh, and it it, uh, it produced a lot of um, a, a lot of uh, really strong yes. stuff some of which has survived to this day and we we had this gathering it was like a summit you know there was myself yourself Chris Bowater I think was there uh, Dave Haddon mm. um, people Dave Fellingham Dave Fellingham yeah and others um, uh, and that was kind of the first sort of one of the early meeting points where we all came together from the different paths to this kind of rallying uh, position. Yes, yeah. And uh, I think it was very significant. We're talking now early, early 80s, I suppose. Mm. Mm. Um, and I remember, you know, we all shared a bit about what we're doing and different perspectives that we had on, on things, which mm. was, was good and healthy. But I think there was the one heart that was underlying it, which was a, a, a real desire to see worship reclaimed and expressed in fresh ways mm. uh, throughout mm. throughout the church and out of that came a lot of initiatives didn't it out of those early days it did and I, I, it reminds me of um, psalm 133 you know how good and pleasant mm. it is when brothers dwell together in in unity um and you know i think intuitively um we all kind of although as you say we were from different streams of the church and previously, some of us hardly knew each other mm. only by reputation. Mm. But once we got together, we kind of bonded in, as, as, as I think creative people do yeah. more easily, because, you know, you, you, you just want to be good at what you do, you know. Um, and you, and I, think, I think that was really important um, to establish at the heart of this, the beginning of this kind of worship movement, uh, those kind of kingdom values mm. um, of you know, being, wanting to bless one another, want to sort of see the, the other's success, not just your own success. Would you say that's a, a distinctive about UK? I mean, people will be listening to this from overseas, but would you say that that, that is a strong value within the, the sort of worship scene in, in the UK, that, that elevating one another? I would actually. I, I, I think, and I, I think it's, it doesn't always come easily, I think it's something you have to constantly guard and, um, and promote and, and so on. But I guess uh, I've seen sometimes in my travels 
um, the absence of that mm. and, and have noticed noticed it. You yes. know, um, where you come across people's, um, you know, sometimes a competitiveness or an insecurity. Yes. Um, uh, even criticism, you know, one one to another, that's in the background. You know, you know, yeah. there's a bit of a history with that person or yeah, that person, yeah, 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 yeah. and you think, oh. Wow. Yeah. So it makes me so grateful for what we've enjoyed in this, in, in, in this country. And of course you head up a whole uh, yearly gathering, uh, songwriters consultation group. And what's been refreshing about that is to see not only some of the old guard, um, but new ones, emerge, new people emerging and, and, yeah. and new voices, fresh ways of doing things, mm. which I think is, is very stimulating. Of course, alongside that came the music worship industry uh, which has been mm. a very good thing because it sort of uh, gave um, new outlets into to a lot of the music but the downside of that sometimes is that uh, suddenly there's a, a measure uh, where people compare you know album sales popularity of songs because mm. it's there it's measurable and that can be a, a negative thing um, so you know there's been the plus the, the wide accessing of music, but uh, some, some dangers. There is a certain loss of innocence, I think, when something becomes yes. an, in, an industry yes. um, and, um, and a business. Um, but of course, you know, writers, creatives uh, always want and appreciate, you know, their work getting out there. And this is what an industry does. If it's for people, um, then you've got to get it out, yeah. And so it's not, um, and it would be wrong to repress it, but I, I think it's the challenge for everybody, whichever part of the process you are, whether you're hmm. writing a song or whether you're publishing a song or, um, or an album or something, is to seek to preserve the, uh, the right spirit um, yes. of it. And, and what you might call king, kingdom values. Mm. Um, and that's always going to be a tension. But let's, let's hope, a, you, know, you have to believe it's, it can be a creative tension. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and the and, good thing about something like the Songwriters Consultation is uh, in, in our country, uh, many of those people in the industry are invited to it and part yes, of it, an yeah. integral part of it. Yeah. So we're on the journey together. That's as opposed right. to you know the marketing of the product and the the artists over over on the other side, yeah. and I think where you've got that vision, it's great. Um, mm. But where it can go a little adrift is where it becomes a product, and of course, worship now mm. is incredibly uh, popular worldwide. Um, mm. It's a phenomena where people aren't buying CDs, but they are singing songs in churches, and they are buying the music and mm. so on and so forth. Yeah, I think there's always going to be this this kind of tension between uh, the search for excellence, you know, excellent mm. songs and excellent musicianship, um, the pursuit of of excellence in general, uh, but also staying rooted in uh, in local church, which mm. is what it's all for, really. Yeah. Um, it's to recruit churches to worship, so. Mm. But I think it, so there, is, there can be a point where it does become um, a performance mm -hmm. that people watch. Mm -hmm. And I think this is something that people, I often hear, I hear a lot of people express concerns about it, that um, there's this great sound coming from the platform, 
but you look around the room and very few people are actually engaging um, because it's all being done for them um, and you know there's a there's quite a big turnover of new songs yeah so as someone equips a, a while back we've moved from hymn books where um, there were 250 songs that everybody knew to 250,000 songs that nobody knows. <laughs> um, this is it. And it is a bit like that. Yeah. Um, another, um, another tension, another creative tension. And I think in the end, the only... Uh, let me say also, I think, the, the, and I'm just stating the obvious here, what has happened through uh, social media, internet and so on, is that um, popularity has become the driver you know, whereas in the in the days of a hymn book, you had a, a set of compilers. Uh, you probably wouldn't get a, a new edition for another twenty five years. So it's almost like once a generation. Uh, but the compilers probably worked on on behalf of a, a denomination. Like say the Methodists, for example, sung, contributed so many masses of songs into the worldwide church. Um, but they'll be very serious about which song should be included and what the theology was and 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 um are the all areas covered of, of uh yeah Christian yeah doctrine. yeah you look yeah. in the index Baptism. and it's very broad yeah. uh subject matter yeah. and their idea was to provide a, a balanced diet mm. uh, um, of uh, subject matter and so on and they actually they were the gatekeepers of that but now um every you know everybody is just um uh searching for what they like mm. uh, and then what's trending trends more mm -hmm. becomes more popular um, so on the one hand it's providing a wonderful range of choice of stuff but I think what it comes down to um, practical terms is that every church leadership that wants to use new songs has to become those gatekeepers, mm -hmm. has to take the role of those hymn book compilers of old mm -hmm. who are looking at songs not from the basis of, oh, this is a great, this is a catchy song and people love it. To actually say, yes, that's great, it's a great song, uh, but what's really going to serve our congregation in this season? You know? I mean, that, that for me is, it's interesting, you know, the, the only experience, again, uh, we come back to John Newton mm. writing the hymns for the congregation at that time, William Cowper writing for the congregation at that time. Mm. And, uh, you know, when we met those years, I think there's, there's something very strong mm. in, in that. Um, I'd like to talk to you about uh, working with other people. You've, you've worked uh, a lot with a fiery passionate evangelist uh, Clive Calver in the past, uh, yeah. mm -hmm. Roger Forster, a great Bible teacher, very different personalities to you and yet you somehow picked up their their strengths and interpreted mm. much of it in, into song. Was that a challenge for you as, as, as an artist working with you know, these different kinds of characters? I think it's very, um, it's, it's been a, an excellent um, thing, a great a great blessing I consider it because op you know, opposites often balance each other out um, and uh, uh, those early years with um, uh, with Clive Calver uh, he was very much the kind of entrepreneur doing new things breaking new ground you know he was one of the founders of Spring Harvest um, I, 
I've never been that kind of a person, you know. Um, but he opened doors, mm-hmm. um, and uh, you know, I mean, we traveled. We traveled a lot for year for years, and there was you know long conversations in on long car journeys, you know. And uh, there's there's something for both parties of bringing a balance and understanding of different perspectives. Now our perspectives um, were always very very different. You know, our personality because of our personalities. Mm. And then when I moved to um, uh, down to London in the mid '80s and joined Ichthus, I found myself in a, a church which was just on the cusp of of, of growing. They're just starting. To, uh, there were about three hundred people there, but they started. They were just starting to plant out other churches, but they had a missions view. And and in in Roger Forster and, and Faith Forster's wife, who's herself a very competent. Um, theologian preacher um you had a a kind of lived theology that was their uh their view you know mm-hmm. it's like if there was a, a a training course going um it would be theology in the morning and out on the streets or uh, in the neighborhoods doing stuff in the afternoon a, a lived theology mm-hmm. uh, and that was a great influence um and i know many songs were inspired just by being in that atmosphere and hearing the teaching and the preaching, um, and um, the, the, I think there's often in history there's often been uh, this synergy between um, preachers uh, and and songwriters, musicians. You know, uh, Moody and Sankey. You know, um, and there was Billy Sunday and Homer Roadheaver to quote yeah. some amazing yeah. old, uh, names and. Um, uh, the, the list goes on. There was mm. some something about, and right to more recent days, you know, um, Billy Graham and, and Beverly Shea, you know, uh, and Cliff Barrows. Yes. There's there's a whole dynamic that you get between, um, pre, you know, the preaching the gospel, the preaching a message and singing the yeah, message. Absolutely. You know, mm. so I'm very much. Um, uh, you know, a, belie- a believer in that, um, and I think it's for any writer who's wanting to write for the church to be able to sit under um, really good Bible teaching. Yeah, and different personalities, mm. as you say, yeah. people who open mm. doors, people who are more forceful sometimes, because I think <clears throat> songwriters often are a little bit reserved and you know, yeah. vulnerable about. Oh, sing! I'd love to hear that song. You just, you know, I know there's characters in my own life who have, who have done that and push me forward when I couldn't believe in myself. Yeah. Um, and also, um, you know, if, if the, the folks that you're uh, working with um, also have a, some theological training and, and, um, and not knowledge and perspective, mm. that can be so helpful. Um, not, not just listening to preaching, which comes out of, you know, reading the Bible intelligently and, you know, with uh, understanding of the, the cultural context and it was written and a bit of Greek and Hebrew and all that sort of stuff, you sort of pick up some of that. <clears throat> but I also made a practice over the years of of um, having songs uh, critiqued for, mm. for the theological perspective mm, mm. by such people. Yes, um, and that's that's been enormously helpful yeah. to me. Um, <laughs> uh, save me from uh, 
a, f yeah. a few errors that uh, I'm not sure always you what you want to hear at the time because at the time <laughs> no. you, you think your song is this is a winner and you go and play it to somebody and they say yeah I like it apart from this line and this line that doesn't quite yeah. work yeah then you right. go back crestfallen and then you know some while back uh, later think oh actually they might be right and you know I know yeah. my songs have come out richer for, for, for that experience now we can't have this chat without talking about March for Jesus because to a global audience your songs you know went everywhere uh, during that, that that period of time I remember being at some retreat or conference over breakfast talking about this new idea in fact it was called a carnival of praise wasn't carnival it? Of praise yeah, the, yeah. Uh, very yeah. early and uh, from small beginnings I mean it mushroomed into this powerful movement uh, sung in so many countries. I remember being at uh, Hyde Park at the tail end of one of the March of Jesus's, which is a huge uh, park in, in the centre of London, and uh, hearing you on the other end of the telephone, I think it was Solomon Isles or somewhere. Oh, it was, it was in the South Pacific. South Pacific. I, I, <laughs> <laughs> no, I and I wasn't on holiday. No, no. It, you was, just... it was Western Samoa. And what had happened is that, this, as you say, this movement had become global and we had this, it started in England, you know, a one-off march, then became multiple marches in England, and then Europe started to catch on and we had a sort of a, uh, a day when lots of different marches happened in capital cities across Europe. And then it went global and the idea was to have at least one uh, big march in every time zone, you know, and as I sort of looked at the globe, thought, what are time zones anyway? You know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, you know, you experience them now and again on an international trip. But um, so uh, I I looked at the at the globe and thought, I wonder if because if we're going to have uh, as the sun goes around the world, you know, yes. and wakes people up, yeah. uh, they're going to have their march. Well, it's going to all happen at slightly different times, but within the same sort of period. Yeah. of the revolution of the earth so that I wonder if I could get myself down to um, one of the first marches and then get myself down to one of the last marches <laughs> you know? my goodness and I, I did some research and and, um, and also I spoke to the, the BBC um, as to whether they'd be interested in in filming that and mm. they came back positive because March for Jesus was starting to get some attention so what eventually the way reason I ended up in Western Samoa was because I, I worked it out that if I went down to the first march, in, which was New Zealand, I think actually there was one slightly before them in Tonga, but oh, right. you know the, the, yeah. the flights didn't work. No, so no, no, no. South Island, Christchurch, and I was there, and I remember reading out um, the Psalm uh, 113 about from the rising of the sun to its setting, the name of the Lord is to be praised, mm. you know. And that, that ended up, I think, on the on the um, on the on the film. So I had a camera crew down there. Uh, so I took part in the first march, about ten thousand people down there, and then I hot-footed it to <laughs> to the airport, hopped up to the North Island, and caught another plane um, to um, uh, Western Samoa. And all this was going kind of against the. Um, the opposite direction to the day, you know, yeah. sort of sort of catching up a bit yeah, as we yeah, went yeah. along. Um, and finally, I've never been so disorientated in all my life. <laughs> um, we got this 
middle of the night sometime uh, and you know checked in at, at, at a hotel um, and then I had to sort of get on the phone and make a phone connection to uh, to Hyde Park yeah where 70,000 people were were, meet, were meeting yeah I was there and it actually it actually happened it was amazing because those were the days when before mobile phones mm. were really I mean this was like 1990 this was 1994 and sort of radio phones and some somebody had a radio phone which cost them a fortune but they you know kindly let's use the number and we actually made that connection mm. um and you know it's very very odd indeed my family actually were at Hyde Park oh, okay <laughs> on the other side of the world yeah you know? yeah yeah <laughs> Um, it was a very special moment and, you know, in the height of a very, very powerful time. A big emphasis and focus and, you know, things shift and move forward. Uh, you know, there's waves with, with, with the way God moves. There's, there's a focus, there's an emphasis that, 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 that we catch. We catch. Mm. But, I mean, a strong emphasis in those, in, in those make-way things was spiritual warfare. Mm. Not something you hear so much about. Have you changed any of your views about about that? What certainly was it was an era where where um, people were just trying to discover, you know, the power of prayer and and um, and also a very kind of active prayer. Um, uh, so, you know, the church I was part of in, in London, the Exodus Christian Fellowship. Um, they would say, well, let's not just huddle in a room and pray for our neighbourhood. Let's actually walk around the streets and pray as we go. Not make a big thing of it, just you walk in twos or whatever. Or um, So let's get on site, you know. Um, and that, that became, with other movements that were part of it, that kind of idea of getting out of our buildings and praying on site was became... Um, powerful thing and I think you know we we were at the same time trying to discover a, a theology you know it's, it's an interesting thing that um, uh, you don't necessarily get theology in advance it's obviously often when you go out and do things mm. but they say about the early church they worshipped before they had you know they worshipped God Father Son and Holy Spirit before they really had a clear theology of the Trinity you know mm. there's there's whole areas of theology which followed on from people worshipping. And I think we were doing a similar thing. We were praying and worshipping out uh, in the public space and uh, trying to discover as we went along uh, what the theology was. And, and, and of course, many people are doing that in different parts of the world. And here and there, uh, I think maybe people did sort of cross a line and then back off again and say no actually I think this is going a little bit far mm-hmm. and um, so I'm sure I'm sure we made some uh, some errors but I think it's better to do something learn some lessons and mm. then increase your understanding and wisdom yeah. for the future than, yeah. than to than to do nothing at all mm. but I think the other th- interesting thing that happened there was also it wasn't just marches it was prayer walking and not just neighbourhoods, but long-distance prayer walkings, walks. Mm. So I, I remember being a part of a of a team that um, several teams that worked together and uh, and walked um, from John O'Groats to Land's End over a period of a few weeks, and then uh, from 
um, Anglesey right across to the other side. So it was, in other words, it was like inscribing, uh, the root was like the shape of the cross over the whole nation. Mm-hmm. Um, and others went on to pray through um, um, capital cities of Europe and even yeah. ends up in Istanbul and went on to Jerusalem. Yeah. And it was mobilizing prayer. Mm. And I think it really did help uh, the church to look outwards, you know. Yeah. I, I, the church I grew up, the, the mood of the church I <clears throat> grew up as a young man was, it was quite closed in, you know. And the 60s was a difficult time because people stopped coming, to, people started stopping coming to church, yes. which is carried trend, which is carried on. Yeah. So there was a certain, certain amount of, of siege mentality. And I think this enabled us to break that spell of silence and to actually get out there where your neighbours might spot you or you might end up on news, TV news thing or something. But yeah. it was like, ah, what a relief. We're actually, we've broken that barrier. Mm. We're not ashamed of Jesus and, and we're out here and we're praying for our city, our town, our village, our nation. Mm. Yeah, I mean, and it's something that started from very small beginnings and and grew which you had i guess the right people around you as well to make the thing happen you know and, and that very often is important i'd like to sort of zone in on graham as the songwriter because there's a certain mystery about writing songs that people think oh if only i could find the formula um how does it work for you do you sit down every day and write a song or do you get a season of writing do you get a project how does it um a bit of all those things really um i i I try to to capture ideas as i go along whether it's a concept or you know a phrase or you know so that um when i have some time i can sit down i've got a few starting points i can Mm. i can review um for me it's usually that kind of process of being quite deliberate about it um and sometimes it's a need that you see Mm. or some some of my songs were written to go with themes for events like spring harvest i mean the servant king yeah um that phrase servant king actually didn't come from me it came from the the team that prepared the the, the teaching the teaching materials for yeah and for you wrote a song year. for it yeah. and they wrote out several writers and say and that they weren't expecting a song using that same phrase no no servant king but when i looked at it i thought don't need to look any further if i just unpack this um and also the song Knowing You had a similar um, genesis, you know, the, the demand. And I think that's often how it works with um, uh, creative people. Uh, once there is a sort of a, a need for something, you know, um, that's, that's sometimes better than waiting for some inspiration to... Yeah, to fall. But you go through a lot of revisions, I know, um, in the way that you write songs. You, you know. I do, I, I'm an obsessive editor, um, and you know that's that can be taken too far as well. You can kill a song by, uh, you know, trying to edit it too much. But 
I think of myself often as as a um, like looking for gems. And I remember mm. I went into um, uh, shopping with my wife on one occasion, which is which is rare because I'm not a great fan of shopping. No, but um, I suddenly found that we wandered into a jeweler's. <laughs> it wasn't my instigation at all, mm. but um, and uh, my wife was interested in there was some um, little stud earrings or something that you know that she quite took fancy to so we had this conversation with the with the with the jeweler who was the salesperson and obviously to try to 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 justify the, the expense of these yeah tiny little diamonds mm. on the on mm. these little earrings he said did you know that to, to process you have to to get one carat of diamond you've got to process 25 tons of rock and dirt you know mm. and i thought we're in the same business, actually, because <laughs> yeah. that's how it feels like to yeah, me yeah. to get it. one gem uh, of a of a lyric yeah. uh, that just sparkles in the middle of a song. Yeah, you have to shift a lot of of of, of rock, of, of rock uh, along and, the way. Dirt. I mean, there's a song, um, and there's so many here, but uh, there's a song I'm looking at right now. Uh, Come and see. Which oh, okay. Is, you know, one of my favourites of yours, um, and. We just take us through here because come and see, come and see, come and see the king of love, see the purple robe and crown of thorns he wears. Soldiers mock, rulers sneer as he lifts the cruel cross, lone and friendless now, he climbs towards the hill. I know I've heard you speak about revelation and response. <laughs> so, you know, you've got this, haven't you? You've got this invitation. Yeah, yeah. And you've got the phrase in every verse. Mm. Well, no, actually two out of the, you start with come. Uh, come and weep, come and mourn is the, sec the mm. second verse. Mm. But then you've got the response, uh, which makes a, a great worship song, hymn, call it whatever. Mm. We worship at your feet. Mm. Mm. So, I mean, how did that, that come to you? Did, did you just get, get the phrase or did you get the image in your mind? Do you remember this? So we're talking back 1989. I know it's one of your old songs. <laughs> yeah, that was a good season, though, in uh, yeah. <laughs> the late 80s. Um, for writing um, and it's actually as in case of many songs it, it's it's hard to actually remember the 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 exact details because you know I was writing a lot of songs often yes. in the same period of yeah yeah of, of time but I think and a lot of this was I think in intuitive um, of trying to s paint a picture and set a scene uh, I mean I've always being drawn towards descriptive language anyway. Yes. Um, but I think intuitively I, I'd discovered that if you can describe a scene, and that's so come and see, it's an invitation, as you say, um, and then I'm throwing out images, purple robe, crown of thorns, uh, soldiers mocking, rulers sneering. Yeah, because that's uh, it, you see, it's the, the purple robe. It's not just a robe, it's a purple robe. So yeah. immediately in your mind is the image. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, crown of thorns he wears, ruler's sneer, you know. Yeah. I mean, I love that because it's not a word that you use very often, but it, it, when, it, when you have it, it's got impact. Yeah, yeah. It's like Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. It's not someone like me, yeah, you know, yeah. uh, in yeah. that language yeah. of, of those days. I think in lyrics, um, uh, what you're aiming for is something that sort of paints a picture in, in people's imagination. Mm. Um, and if you can make, if you just state a list of obvious things, it's, it's like, 
a bit tedious, you know, for the for the listener. But if you throw out images, then people's own imaginations will get to work, and I think that's that's one of the keys um, of, uh, of of successful writing is what image is being called forth in people's in people's minds. Yeah, yeah. and then you've got you know the repetition. Come and see, come and you know, and, uh, you you want repetition, but there's a limit to the, you know. Then you say, actually, no, we've got to stop repeating there because that'd be too much. We yeah. Vary the limitation, <laughs> so that um, you know, because lyrics um, actually very compact when you compare it to prose. Mm. You've just got very few lines, yeah. and you've got to do a lot in those lines. And of course, the music is 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 part of that. Um, but this is where I think the editing comes in, and I'll typically write you know, several more verses than I um, know I'm going to need, yeah. and then pick the best one or take two lines from one and yes. two lines from another, yes. yeah, yeah. see if they fit. Yeah. Um, I mean, I sometimes even put two songs together that, yeah. that, that have the same uh, yeah. basic thrust, and hey, they work. Oh. Mm. Yeah. But yeah, and then, of course, we both go through that process of them playing it to whoever the producer is and the producer yes. saying oh it needs that chord there change that chord you know or yeah, adapt yeah. it and let's let's put it into three four time or whatever <laughs> um yeah it's been a real privilege talking to you graham it's been a delight um one of the things i mean it was you, you know when you first started out years ago you had no idea where that would lead um uh and i think it was dagar who once said that uh, you know an artist does his best work when uh, when he doesn't know what he's doing, you know <laughs> uh, it sort of emerges and um, you yeah. know there's a lifetime time of experience there. For for those who are listening who are sort of starting out on that journey, um, there's certain I don't know key things that you know it's it's not all success of standing up on a big platform. It's not all you know, big album sales and songs being sung. There are ups and downs. Um, practically, you know, things like living at the expectation of other people's expectation of you. Um, they're all things that, that hit us, aren't they? Uh, mm. Am I am I past my sell-by date? You know, uh, could you give us some, some sort of hints and tips along the way for people <laughs> who are starting out? Yeah. Uh, yes. uh, you know. Uh, yeah, I, th I think you have to develop a bit of a thick skin. I certainly didn't have a thick skin when I started off. If anybody criticised my song, it, I took it very personally. Um, and so I had to learn to step back from my work uh, and realise actually it, it could be changed or it could actually could be improved. Mm -hmm. um, uh, so you have to, and, and that's a sort of part of character formation really, isn't it? Is um, learning to be discovering who you are um, in God, you know, and in relationship with God and with other people, mm. um, as opposed to what's sometimes called um, performance-based identity, <laughs> where you wrap up your whole identity in people's opinions of your performance, your mm. work, you know. Mm. Um, so I think the rough... I think the rough and tumble of... Uh, of actually doing it, getting on with it, playing your songs to people, listening to what they say, taking the, you know, the blows and the disappointments. Um, uh, you know, I think if you're going to any kind of creative 
um, life, you have to get, you have to learn to live with disappointment, mm. you know, because mm. most, and most, of, most of the songs I've written have died, you know, yep. it's only the survivors that people think, yeah. and people think you only wrote that bunch that of songs. That body of work, they are there's a lot the of rejected survivors. ones, yeah, yeah, along the way, yeah. Um, so you have to, you have to, um, you have to get used to, um, uh, to that and try to be in relationship with, with people who, you know, are honest with you um, and bring something else into the equation. Not necessarily co co-writing, but people that, you know, can uh, inspire um, or be... Draw out the best. Be the kind of yeah. iron sharpens iron yeah. um, sort of thing. Yeah. But I, I, I would say, in answer to your, your question, another, I'm sure they're quite a long list of them, but I think if you're writing uh, songs... Um, for a community, and that could be your church community, it could be your local community, it could be an online community. Um, you've got to be engaged with that, you know. Um, uh, I, I think worship songs, um, if they are born within the, the the life, the spiritual life, the worship life community, they have an authenticity. Mm. Or if they are shaped through it, and, and this is what I often find is that um, I might start a song, but then when I try it out, you know, uh, in church, I actually learn something new about it and make some changes, mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. So I, I think there is something about uh, if work is for the community, if it is to some degree shaped within that community, um, then it's a much more powerful um, tool. Mm. Um, so I very much believe in local church very early on in my Christian life I took that on board and said I've really always got to be part of local church because the, one of the things that does happen perhaps not so much in the UK as maybe in the States which is a much bigger market if you like is if you become uh, well known you're off you know yeah you become detached you become from... detached it's almost as if you're, you're, I'm now too important for my little yes. church, you know. Yeah. Uh, so I think it's really important to be rooted in local church, um, uh, even when it's really hard to do that, mm -hmm. to do your best to mm. be rooted in local church. Mm. Um, and to regard yourself not just as this kind of uh, individual artist up in their ivory tower writing their own view of the world, mm. to see yourself as somebody who tries to give expression to the community. Yep. Uh, so you, you're not just singing my song. It's, I can write my songs, that's great. But it, but I can also try to write songs for the community I'm a part of. I think that's so important, isn't it? That, that when you're writing a song, it's not your song. It, it belongs. You, yeah. you visualise, when you're writing a corporate song, you visualise your community singing that yes. song. Yeah. And uh, it becomes us rather than us and them. Mm. Um, Graham, it's been a pleasure talking to you. Thank you so much for your for your welcome. time. And uh, we've covered a lot of ground about songwriting and your background and what makes Graham Kendrick Graham Kendrick. If you want to find out more, obviously you can go on your website, see what you're doing around the country, still still travelling, still touring, right. still speaking about worship and encouraging others. And uh, I think you'll find a... A, a, a real wide library of material there to draw from. So thank you so much, Graham. You're very welcome.
I hope you found that constructive and helpful to you in your own situation today. We covered a fair amount of ground. Uh, in particular, there's two things I'd, I'd like to draw out. Um, there was this whole thing of working with different personalities. I mean, Graham was citing those two individuals that he was very much associated with. But I'm thinking of the classic scenario of the worship leader and the preacher and how in a local church context, often they want different things uh, from the meeting. Learning to work together and realizing our strengths and our different abilities is so much a value of the kingdom of God. But also this idea of relationships, writing for people in your local church or your local community is something I think we could really uh, benefit from. Thinking with our minds, who are we writing for, not just for ourselves, but for other groups of people and being knitted together with that group is so important. There's plenty of food for thought and application there in your own personal lives. Thanks for joining us today. Remember to check out the other podcasts in the series and do feel free to leave a comment and to subscribe.